you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Oh, shit. Isn't that what most of us say when we're faced with an emergency, especially when it comes with the financials? So that's what this show is about this week. We're going to cover five steps that will help you be prepared for almost any financial emergency. Once again, Queer Money This Week is being brought to us by MassMutual, and they share with us recently some statistics that we are going to provide that show just the kind of financial state our community is in. Let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. All righty. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. This week, we're getting into maybe get back to a little bit of the how-to or step-by-step of some of the podcasts we've done in the past. We know that financial struggles are something that many people, not only in our community, but in the world, face on a regular basis. And we like to provide tips or advice that comes from our own experience that will help you to think about how you can make some financial progress. So one of the things that we're going to cover today is emergency savings, which I think that most of us, when we think about the idea of having a financial emergency or any sort of emergency that is financially related, it scares us. And the reason it scares us is because we're not prepared. So we're going to talk a little bit about how John and I went from being in that always kind of scared or hesitant or hoping it never happened state to not worrying about the financial impacts of an emergency, but being able to take care of the emergency itself and think about the financial impacts later. Yeah. When we talk about this, I can't help but think of the irony that you and I would go out and travel and go clubbing and go out for fancy dinners and whatnot. And we always had this air of success around us. And we looked happy, we seemed happy, everything was going well, seemingly so. But always in the back of our mind, there was like this fear of, are we going to be able to afford this expensive dinner that we're doing? Or what if something happens to us and we have a $500 or $5,000 emergency? So sort of lay the foundation for this. As we announced in our Forbes article last week, MassMutual released a recent quite exhaustive study called the Mass Mutual LGBT Financial Security Study. And there was some compelling data in there that inspired us to take on this podcast today. Some of the data includes that four out of five LGBT people say that high debt levels are what makes managing household finances difficult for them. So we, we know from our own experience, we know from the people who reach out to us that a pervasive concern in our community is having too much debt. Right. And very often that comes up in some of our polling as the number one priority. Mm-hmm. So why are we talking about emergency savings then? Well, to continue on with the data that we got from Mass Mutual, more than a quarter of LGBT people report having less than $500 in savings. And more than half say an unexpected expense of $5,000 would cause significant discomfort or they wouldn't be able to get by. We thought that was very interesting because there's another piece of data that released from the Federal Reserve in 2013, as highlighted in the, an Atlantic article a couple of years ago, that 47% of Americans in general said that either they would have to sell something or borrow money in order to cover a $400 emergency, or they won't be able to cover it. They didn't reference the ability to leverage credit cards. And that's something that's distinctively different than, from this mass mutual information. This is saying that 
it would make things discomforting for LGBT people if they had a $5,000 emergency. But it doesn't say that they wouldn't rely on credit cards. So the reason why we're focusing on building an emergency savings account today is because we want to stop the two steps forward, one step back approach, or I guess for some people, one step forward, two step back approach, where they pay off a little bit of debt and then something happens, something comes up, whether minor or, or massive, that they have to then rely on their credit cards to get them out of the situation. Right. Yeah, I just want to go back to those numbers for a second here and think about yourself. The number here says that 80% of us, 80% of us have a difficult time managing our expenses because we've taken on too much debt. That means that our day-to-day living expenses, our lifestyle, the things that we want to do, the things that we hope to do are all being blocked because of some sort of debt, whether that's student loan debt, uh, credit card debt, medical expenses debt. It doesn't matter what the debt is. The reality is, is we've taken that debt on, whether it's by choice or not, we have that responsibility. And you just think about the whole idea of wanting to live your best life, life and thrive and do what makes you happy. If those kinds of things are being prevented because of debt, then wouldn't it make sense that you would want to do something about it? That was the kind of the state that, that John and I were in, is we realized the things that we really wanted in life were being prevented by the debt that we had taken on. When you think of 80%, so four out of every gay person you see out at the clubs, at their four fancy restaurant, or I'm sorry, four out of every five LGBT people you see is suffering from financial problems yeah. on some scale. Despite how we might put out the outward appearance that we have these fabulous lives, it's not so. And that's why we've sort of taken on the new mantra of helping our community live fabulous, but not fabulously broke. Right. We're all not Mitch and Cam. <laughs> no, we're not all Mitch and Cam. And I even think Mitch and Cam might have overextended themselves a times on the <laughs> That's why we're talking about emergency savings today. And David and I know from our own experience, we're actually going to share five tips that we learned from our own experience and helped us acquire our six months now worth of emergency savings. How that's defined is your goal for an emergency savings account is to have anywhere from three to six months of living expenses covered in your account. So when you consider all of your expenses, such as your mortgage or your car payment or your insurance, taking care of the kids, whatever, you want to be able to you know, save as much money to cover all of those expenses in an account to last you for at least three months, ideally six months. And when David and I first started that, that seemed impossible. I mean, six months worth of living expenses daunting. is, is quite daunting. <laughs> but you can't look at, you know, how do I... There's that famous question, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And that's very true when it comes to acquiring an emergency savings account. But our advice, if you're still paying off debt or if you have other financial issues, our advice initially is to do whatever it takes to, as fast as you can, save $500 in an emergency savings account. And then after that, try to, in a more reasonable pace, acquire $1,000 so that you have that little bit of a buffer in case anything comes up. After that, if you want to you know, incrementally contribute to your emergency savings, that's great. If you need to put it on pause so that you can achieve other financial goals, great. But at least you have that cushion. And when we finally had our emergency savings account, even when we had our first three months worth, that felt liberating. Right. That $500 mark, and the reason why we kind of picked that is think about a lot of your insurance, your car insurance. What would happen if you got into an accident and you had to replace your vehicle or you had to fix your vehicle? Oftentimes, the deductible is around $500. There's a typical match of the same kind of deductible with renter's insurance or homeowner's insurance. Those kinds of 
deductibles are kind of the, the first step in saying, I'm financially responsible enough to take care of these kinds of emergencies. And so that's part of the reason why we picked that $500 mark. But I used to remember when we were in debt and I was living a reckless, non-money conscious lifestyle, I used to think about, I hope that I never get into a car accident because I wouldn't be able to have a car to go to work because I don't have enough money to cover my deductible. And I used to think about the same thing with renting our apartment. You know, I wouldn't be able to cover that deductible. And I didn't want John to know that because at that time we were ignorantly blitzed. He was blitzed. still wooing me. <laughs> <laughs> right? We were ignorantly blitzed. You know, we were focused on so many other things. But now we don't think about those things because we know we have that buffer. We have that money set aside. For example, recently, we had a friend borrow our car. She was driving it and all of a sudden she pulled over on the side of the road and called us and said, I can't get it to go more than 20 miles an hour. And what had happened was one of the parts in our car had failed and we had to take the car in and have just it. as somebody else was borrowing. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. Worked perfectly fine for us for anyway. Um, <laughs> we had an expense that was associated with having to fix our car, but it wasn't disruptive to our lifestyle because we have that extra money. Now, granted, we have to refund that money back into those accounts because we still had that expense. But having that money and being able to get the car fixed right away, it's almost a luxury for us because we did set that aside, that money aside. Granted, it was painful to write that check, but at least we had money mm -hmm. and it didn't kill us financially. Right. You know, we'll slowly refund that balance back into our emergency savings account. So that's a great example of why we need an emergency savings account. So let's get into the nitty gritty of it. The first thing that David and I did, we realized that from our previous spending habits that to build an emergency savings account to amass several thousand dollars in an account that we could easily see and easily access would probably never actually happen. Yeah. So because, you know, all of a sudden we need a brand new TV, all of a sudden we need a new couch, um, somebody's going on vacation, we want to go with them, and all of a sudden that, that emergency savings account funds everything else but an actual emergency. So the first thing that we did was most of our money was at a financial services firm. We decided that we would create an emergency savings account that was not connected to our existing financial services firm and would be at a credit union separate and apart from all of our other assets. And we got an account that had no frills. So it had no check rating. It had no debit card. It was very low interest paying account. So it had no minimum account balance requirements and it had no service fees or account fees associated with it. Right. I'm sure there are other kinds of features that accounts can have added to them. This account had none of them. This was you know, the bare bones that you could get. Basic savings account. And the reason for that was we wanted to be a little bit more challenging for us to be able to access this money if we needed to. If there's an actual emergency, then there's an incentive for us to go and withdraw money out of the account. If it's more of a want than a need or a requirement, then you know that gave us sort of some time to... Do I really want to go over to the credit union? Do I really want to try to withdraw money from this account? You know, we're quite lazy, and so we use our laziness <laughs> to our benefit. <laughs> um, and that was sort of that's what our first recommendation is to to go to a credit union or a bank that you're currently not associated with, get this bare bones, no frills account, open that up, and use that as your emergency savings account. Right, and you know one of the couples that we worked with when we were doing some coaching. They said, well, can I just open up a savings account that's at my bank? And think about it. You may already have this. You have a savings account at your bank that is the same 
institution where you have your checking account or your debit account. So you're using your debit card, you're using your debit card. And what happens when you use your debit card and you don't have enough money? Most likely they have it set up so that it automatically drafts from that savings account. You're not even aware oftentimes that you're dipping into that savings, that account that's set up for something special or that's set up for an emergency. So that's the key point here that we're trying to make is this needs to be an arm's distance away so that you cannot easily grab a hold of that money and start using it for anything that isn't a true outright emergency. Exactly. And then when the second step is when you're at that bank or credit union and you open that account, you want to get from the teller or the representative that you're working with both your account number, which will be new, and you want to get their transit routing number, which is a nine-digit number that the combination of both your account number and your bank's or credit union's nine-digit routing number, that will help you establish or achieve step number three, which is establish a direct deposit from your employer to this emergency savings account at your new credit union or bank. A direct deposit, if you don't already know, allows your paycheck, rather than having to be delivered a paper check, the direct deposit allows your pay to be automatically put into an existing checking or savings account. So we're not going to completely deposit all of your pay into this new emergency savings account. We're just going to deposit a portion of it. But in order for your employer to be able to do that, they'll need from you your new account number and your bank or credit union's transit routing number. Your employer will likely have a form for you to fill out with some additional information such as your name and the new account, credit union or banks, contact information. We have in our show notes today a generic form that with the information that your company will ask. You won't be able to provide that form to them, but if you have this form filled out when you go to your bank or credit union, when you complete that, you'll be able to use that as a resource to complete your employer's direct deposit form. Exactly. What we're doing here is we're setting up a simple path to allow you to automatically, without even thinking about it, be putting money aside in this emergency savings account. And that's what will happen. And that's exactly what happened with us is we didn't see, we didn't get statements. We didn't go online and check the balance. Although we did get email notifications that the statement had arrived, we just didn't look at it because we knew if we looked at it, we would know what the balance was and that balance would become tempting, especially around certain time periods. You think around the holidays or birthdays or wanting to go on vacation, those kinds of times, we expressly didn't want to know what the balance was. Right. So in this instance, out of sight, out of mind is good. Right. So for step four, that is to choose the amount of money from each paycheck that you want to have direct deposited into your emergency savings account. Like you said, you don't want to put 100% of your pay into that account. Otherwise, you won't have a way to pay your other bills and meet your other expenses. But you do want to set aside a reasonable amount to go into this account. And like we said, try to save up your $500 as quickly as possible. That'll be harder for some than others, but try to save that up as quickly as possible. And then make reasonable attempt to save your $1,000 as quickly as possible. And once you have that, then you can focus on other goals. But your direct deposit is a great way to consistently contribute to this account. Right. And one of the ways I like to think about it is what would it take for me to save this particular dollar amount, $500 or $1,000 in a year? So what would it take for you to save $500 in a year? Well, that's $10 a week. A lot of times you think about, oh, this is going to be too difficult. What would you have to give up in order to save an additional $10 a week? When you think about it, that's lunch once a week. Or that's going to Starbucks or any coffee shop maybe once or twice. So 
in order to have the financial ability to cover your emergencies and the lack of stress, removing that stress, would you be willing to give up a cup of coffee once a week or lunch once a week, change your lunch habits just once a week so that that would go away? That was kind of the decision that we made when we were starting to do this and go through our whole process. One of the things I had gotten sucked into was going to breakfast and to lunch every single day during the week. I would stop and get a bagel and coffee and I would go out to lunch. And so I made some very significant changes. But in order to get that first savings amount, it was very simple for us to just make some small changes. So and we my encourage jeans you. appreciated me cutting back on lunch once a month, once a week. I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> my jeans appreciated me cutting back <laughs> on lunch once a week. Once a week. <laughs> exactly. So step number five is when you have increases in your pay, make a marginal increase in your contribution to your emergency savings account. And if you get a 2% bonus or a 4% bonus, increase your contributions to this emergency savings account by a percentage or a fraction of that so that your, your emergency savings account is growing along with your success. Exactly. You know, this is one of the best ways to ramp that up. When you think about it, let's just say you're making $50,000 a year. That's kind of basically around the average of what the American household makes or brings in. Mm -hmm. And so if you're making $50,000 a year and you get a 3% raise, that's $1,500. That means that you're going to be making about after taxes, you're going to probably be bringing home about an extra $100 a month. So can you take a portion of that $100, whether it's 25 or 50 or even the whole thing, if you can, to set that aside so that you achieve your goals, your financial goals faster? Yeah, exactly. So to quickly recap, and we're going to actually have this outlined on a free downloadable, a free downloadable for you to check off and make sure you accomplish each of these steps so you don't miss any of this. So between that and the generic direct deposit form that we'll provide you, this should be easy, squeezy, cover girl. So the five steps include one, open a no frills bank account or credit union account where you're not currently established. Get your account number and transit routing number to your credit union or your bank. Step number two. Number three, establish a direct deposit from your employer to your new account. Step four, choose the amount you can regularly contribute to this account, whether you're paid on a weekly basis, every other week basis, by monthly basis. And then step five, increase your contributions to this account in proportion to any other increases that you get in your pay or your salary. And remember, the goal is immediately try to get that $500. That should be your first boundary. And then the second is 1000 because sometimes those emergencies, <laughs> they come in pairs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you can start focusing on other financial goals and either cut back or cut out your contribution to this account temporarily. But you can resume that once you've achieved paying off your debt or you've achieved whatever it is in your financial life that you're trying to achieve that has some priority. Right. One of the things that we were able to do is because we got into the habit of not seeing that money in our bank account, we got into the habit of that being taken out regularly. So once we achieved the amount that we wanted, we then started directing that money into other savings accounts so that we could save for specific things like for a car, for improvements to our home, for vacations. So it developed within us a regular habit of saving money that has then allowed us to continue to do the things that we love to do. In the show notes, we'll also include this, but if you want more information on the Mass Mutual LGBT Financial Security Study to see how you compare to our peers, our article in Forbes was published on Thursday, 
July 27th. You can find some more information there, but we'll also include that in the show notes for you as well if that interests you. Right. And remember, the show notes are, can be found on DebtFreeGuys.com. All right. So do you think you can do it? Are you ready to start your emergency savings account? Remember to go to DebtFreeGuys.com to download the step-by-step instructions on how you can start your account and start funding it. We also want to thank again MassMutual for their recent study that gives us more insight into what our community is dealing with financially. I was surprised and shocked to find out that 80% of us are struggling financially because we've taken on too much debt. So that's our whole goal is to help you face those challenges head on. Thanks again for joining us for Queer Money and have a great week. Okay. We just serviced you. Now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all the the healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so... (laughs) From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.